either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You're sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, we are officially now into the fall movie season. As we tape this, it is the first day of fall. So it's the fall movie season. What do we got? <laughs> Let's dig in. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start out with the ultimate David versus Goliath tale based on the insane true story of everyday people who flipped a script on Wall Street and got rich by turning GameStop into the world's hottest company. It's called Dumb Money. How much did we make today? Five million. And yesterday? Four million. We're like really rich. GameStop now, another record high. Wall Street is betting that GameStop is going to fail. And if it fails, these hedge fund guys make a ton of money. They literally call us Dumb Money. You got rich dudes coming at you. This is class warfare. How much did we lose today? A billion. And yesterday? A billion. Well, I remember this. I think most people probably do because out of nowhere, GameStop was all over the news. And uh, if you're like us and you have a GameStop, we had one at one time in our neighborhood. I don't know if, it, if, it's, if it's still there. But anyway, that's how I knew GameStop. And then all of a sudden, it was all over the news about the stock market. And we neither one of us understand really anything about the stock market. <laughs> but it was an interesting story because what I got out of it was the little guy was winning. And so that made it interesting. And now, of course, you find out when you get in, into the, the details, there's a whole lot more going on. And that's what this movie deconstructs. And it seems like that is going to be hard to do and still keep your interest. And I think one of the things is Craig Gillespie made this movie, same guy who made I, Tanya, and a handful of other films. Um, one of the things that he does really well is to keep the film energetic by switching back and forth among these different characters who don't know each other, mm -hmm. but they're all either investing or they're losing their shirts or they're whatever. And, um, and so it keeps it and, and, and he has an incredible cast. So oh, you yeah. are, you are invested in each of these different storylines, but the main character is Paul Dano who plays this guy who during lockdown, you know, sort of got really interested, and he works for Mass Mutual, so it's not like he doesn't understand money. He does, but, you know, he doesn't have a lot. And so he just, during this time off, uh, you know, he really dug in, learned everything he could, and he thought that Wall Street was wrong. And so he, but the thing is that he has kind of a following online. He, he likes cats, and he <laughs> wears this silly headband, and he's just this endearing, dorky everyman, but he explains everything. Here's what he thinks they're wrong. Here's why he thinks, and he's got this big screen behind him where you can see all of his actual investments, what they've earned, what they've lost. Like he's completely transparent, and so he develops a following uh -huh. because, unlike everybody else in Wall Street, he's trustworthy. And uh, <laughs> and then you know, uh, and then Wall Street would make these you know these uh, uh, changes because they felt like everybody was going to abandon it quickly and it would all right itself. And then this army of supporters were like, no, we're digging in. We're not selling. Even though we would make a bunch of money right now, we're in it for the long run. And uh, and it wound up sort of really having serious repercussions that all of the news picked up on, which is why we remember it. And, of mm -hmm. course, it was during lockdown, so we were all at home doing nothing except <laughs> watching the news. Right. So, But I think the thing, the way this is, it's just such a winning script. It's quite sharp. But it doesn't it doesn't overshoot and it doesn't condescend. You're not going to understand it. That's fine. They don't care. 
Because most of the people that are involved don't fully understand everything. Mm-hmm. So they're not you're not being condescended to with the script at all. It's not snarky. It is funny and it's angry, but it's not in a way that feels sarcastic particularly. And a lot of the the performances are really, really good, especially Paul Dano. Oh yeah. You've got a bu- you've got a bunch of people. Vincent D'Onofrio, you've got Anthony Ramos, Seth Rogen, Sebastian Stan, America Ferreira, Shailene Woodley, Clancy Brown. I mean there's there's a bunch of names in there. Anthony Ramos in particular is quite funny. Craig Gillespie, you know, from I Tanya, we you knew even before seeing this movie that he could take a based on true events story and give it some pizzazz. I mean, yeah. he did a miraculous job with the I Tanya story. He really did. Um, so that gave you, even before, you know, when I just saw the trailer and saw his name attached to it, I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that could be something that's, uh, that is really a different way of looking at these events, which are crazy anyway. Right. And to, and to make them very interesting to, uh, to an average audience, whether you know anything about the stock market or nothing, like right. us. Right, <laughs> and, and especially, it's, it's one, like it says in the synopsis, it's just so easy to root for the little guy winning. It is. Especially in a, in a game like the stock market right. that seems so heavily rigged. Let- it's clearly yeah, rigged. Exactly. It's absolutely rigged. <laughs> That's I, the word I yeah. was looking for. If there's any drawback to the film is that it's probably a bit optimistic about the actual change that this, you know, revolution inspired. I'm sure that I feel confident to say that the stock market righted itself and figured out new ways to stick it to the little guy. But there was this victory. Yeah, and it makes an interesting set of facts dressed up in a fast-paced, energetic movie and a, a nice slice of history. And that is Dumb Money, and it's in theaters now. Next up, we're revisiting, I guess, because we have to, with the Expendables. Armed with every weapon they can get their hands on, the Expendables are the world's last line of defense and the team that gets called when all other options are off the table. This is Expendables 4. Terrorists have taken possession of nuclear missiles on a cargo ship off the coast. If these babies go off, it'll be World War III. To choose this life over friends, over family. It's time to get loud. Let's fly, baby! It's funny because that synopsis is, you know, the actors who were called when all better options are off the table. <laughs> First of all, in talking to people about this movie, I'm surprised how many people are bothered by the title because it's not Expendables 4. It's the word Expendables and the A is it replaced with a four. Right. So people are like, how are we supposed to pronounce that? <laughs> Look, that's the least of this movie's problems. Let me tell you. <laughs> I've seen, I saw the first one, yeah. and then that was it. I, I reviewed that one, and they're just so dumb. And this one is incredibly dumb. This is right up there with one of, of among the worst movies that we've seen so far this year. Uh, it's the usual gang with some additions. There's a rotating, rotating cast. I think over the years, we've seen people like... Harrison Ford pop into one, mm-hmm. Chuck Norris popped mm-hmm. into one, but you've got, basically you've got Stallone and Jason Statham. I think they've been there since the beginning. And at the, least Stallone. 
and he's a wrestler. And you've got uh, Randy Couture. I think is he's in always there. been in it. Okay, and of course, Fifty Cent, and you've got um, Dolph Lundgren. I think he maybe has always been in it too. And, but it's this. But just, what else is he doing? Exactly. You got this group now, and uh, Andy Garcia is like the big boss, so he's in there. He may be new this year. I'm not I sure. Yeah. But they've got another mission. This time, they've got to get some detonators back from a terrorist because if you connect the detonators with the nuclear weapons that they're going to detonate, well, then that's a problem. So that's the mission, and they're off to Libya or somewhere else, and yada, 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 shoot them up and blast them up. And it's all so, so badly done. It's The, the writing is horrendous. You've got all these characters, all these stars. I'm making Fox, throw her in there. Mm-hmm. Um, all these that have to get some lines, I guess. So it's just for, there's just so forced. There are these forced reaction shots and mugging and just lines that aren't really necessary like, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, make sure he has a line, right. and then let's move on. The acting is atrocious. Maybe one, two takes. Let's go. Let's keep it moving. Some of the green screen stuff is is embarrassing. Yeah. Even the shoot 'em up. Even if you're there just for the shoot 'em up, and I will say there's one really good one where a body just explodes. <laughs> um, just limbs akimbo. <laughs> Other than that, it's not. That's not even fun. It's yeah. not even fun anymore. If it ever was, this is just so lazy and thrown together. And they have this surprise, I guess, that they think is a surprise in the story. It's not a surprise at all. No, it's really bad. It's bad. It's really, really it bad. It ain't good. It ain't good. Um, and that is Expendables 4, or however you pronounce that word, <laughs> with a 4 in the place of an A. Those are the things we've got to get down here, people. <laughs> Maybe some team of commandos can crack that case. I don't know. In the meantime, Expendables 4 is out in theaters now, and it's bad. <laughs> Moving on. How about a horror film in theaters? Yes, please. An Indian-American teenager struggling with her cultural identity has a falling out with her former best friend and in the process unwittingly releases a demonic entity that grows stronger by feeding on her loneliness. It's called It Lives Inside. It needs to tenderize the soul by attacking your sanity, isolating you from those who love you. And if anyone tries to help you, it will hurt them. My whispering. It's called the Pishash. It doesn't kill you right away. It eats you slowly. When it's ready, it eats your soul. This is from co-writer and director Bishal Dutta, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. PG-13 horror. Now, if you listen to this podcast a lot, you know we're not exactly always excited by PG-13 horror, but this one was a pleasant surprise. It was, because it can be done well. Um, And the thing is, uh, sometimes it's done well, and it's The Ring, which is not actually aimed at teenagers And usually the ones that are, in fact, aimed at teenagers, they tend to water it down and rely on jump scares. Well, this one is definitely aimed at teenagers. It is very much set in sort of the angst-ridden high school era. And the the, uh, lead is um, just trying to fit in. And so she's kind of uh, Sam. And so she's kind of dropped her best friend because her best friend is absolutely not trying to fit in. Yeah, Sam is played by Megan Suri. 
Um, and what happens, though, is that uh, her best friend gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And and every time she's in a room, Sam feels even more looked at. And when she just doesn't want to be looked at, mm-hmm. she just wants to fit in. So she kind of has this inner altercation with her best friend. But the truth is her best friend isn't crazy. She is carrying a demon in a mason jar. And when uh, and so uh, because of the altercation, things go terribly wrong. And then Sam has to figure it out. And and a lot of it has to do with, you know, I think there are layers here that are familiar with, you know, you're just trying to fit in high school and you sort of abandon your best friend from grade sure. school. Yeah. That happens a lot. But in this one, there's a there's a cultural nuance to it that I think gives it a little bit of freshness. Um, also, it's a creature feature full on, which I appreciate. And, I you know, the creature looks good. It doesn't look great. It's not going to just, you know, knock your socks off. But it, it I appreciated it. It looked good. I think the performances are quite solid. Betty so they, Gabriel makes an appearance. That's right. She does. Always welcome. So there are times where it feels a little bit familiar. But on the whole, it's a very solid horror movie and uh, and looks good, too. And uh, PG-13 again. So if you're worried about being too scary or too gory, I know that's not for everybody, uh, know that it's not, but yet at the same time, not just reliant on fake outs and jump scares. Right. And that's welcome for us. And that is in theaters now. And it is called It Lives Inside. Let's move to Hulu for another bit of a creature feature. An exiled, anxiety-ridden homebody must battle an alien who's found its way into her home. No one will save you. So this is Caitlin Deaver in almost a one-person show, and she's always so good. Yeah, if you're wondering about the the bit of the trailer that we just played, well, there's no words in that trailer. Nope. That's right, because there are hardly any words at all in this entire movie, which is an interesting way to go about mm-hmm. it. I, I respect that. Mm-hmm. You're trying something new. It's writer-director Brian Duffield, who I believe has directed one feature before this, known mainly up to now as a screenwriter, did uh, The Babysitter. And underwater. And underwater. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now got, I believe, his second feature. Uh, this is for Hulu. And yeah, Caitlin Deaver plays the woman who is in this lovely country home, and she gets visited by aliens. And it takes the movie 12 minutes. I timed it. I looked. 12 minutes before the aliens arrive. And in those 12 minutes, I give Duffield credit. He sets it all up again with no dialogue, just in visual storytelling. But you get the drift. She is not liked in this town. Uh, She lives by herself. Her mom has passed away. She basically makes and sells crafts. And she just likes the, you know, the simple life. But she still, she she was kind of hoping that people will warm to her uh, in her town. But they will not because there has been a very sad and heartbreaking incident in her past that the townspeople blame her for then and they still blame her for now. So that, as the title implies, when the aliens come calling, she is looking for someone to help her and no one will. She's She's on her own. And so after those 12 minutes... When the aliens uh, show up, it's a bit of run for your life, then fight. Uh, so it's a, it's a mix. You've got some hide and seek going on as she runs around the house and trying to get away. And then there are moments when she has to actually stay and fight to try to stay alive. So uh, all this moves through some pretty familiar beats. Uh, now, we talk about creature feature. 
This one, it's more effective, as, as so many are, the less you see. Mm-hmm. And you've seen a bits in the trailer, and they do look creepy. Big arms yeah. and things like yeah. that. The, the more we get to see of them, the more they're just very, very generic. Like the face, the, the, the generic alien face, like, say, Close Encounters, right. something like that. The big eyes, the big head. We've seen that type of alien on TV and movies for years. So a little sad there. Once you see more of them up close, it's pretty generic. And without saying too much, um, the, the metaphors at work here are just so simple and obvious about grief and trauma and what she's been through let's put it that way and as it goes on i mean caitlin deaver always good yes and you're going to get somebody who can evoke the types of emotions that we want out of this character without any dialogue and she does a great job Mm -hmm. of that it's also at times a very physical role and she handles that well uh and so all of that she she's all in and I, i like her all the time and she does a good job it's just that the more and more that it goes on, it really feels like one of those movies that has been engineered from the start to be a streaming movie through a certain formula. Get the action going quickly. Keep it going so that people, if they're not paying that much attention at home, they still don't feel like they've missed anything. Make the themes very obvious and easy to digest. And that sort of got stale after a while. Sure. As much as there are moments that do really do work in this film. And then... I'll give it credit, too, because at the end, they do throw you a bit of a curveball. As I said, the metaphors are are easy to pick up. But then at the end, you do get a bit of a twilighty zone place (laughs) curveball at the very end about Mm -hmm. what's going on. So I appreciate that. But uh, all in all, it does seem very, very generic and and very much of a retread. You're going to get a lot of um, vibes of movies like... It follows signs, mm-hmm. the Babadook, mm-hmm. things like that. Movies that, for the most part, have done it before and done it better. Right. Has its moments, but um, seems fairly generic by the end. And that is uh, streaming. It's on Hulu now uh, called No One Will Save You. Let's stay in streaming for a crime drama, Irish crime drama. Val Barber, a private investigator, is hired by a wealthy widow to find her missing granddaughter. It's called Barber. I could have you arrested. Mr. Barber, you're not an easy man to read. I'm a private investigator. Someone had got to her. What's he paying you for? Stay out of my way if you know what's good for you. Threats to harassment, phone tapping. Bye, Mr. Barber. You still don't know who you're dealing with, do you? An adult who doesn't want to make contact with you is not missing. Am I making myself clear? These are powerful men. Just be careful. We all have our secrets, Barbara. These aren't secrets. They're crimes. I'm a big Aiden Gillen fan, actually. I mean, I've seen him in a lot of things. The one that really sticks out for me is Calvary, which I loved, yes. and he was so good in it. Yeah, as soon as I saw the trailer... I, I knew his face, mm-hmm. and the one that I know him from mostly, even though I didn't care for the film, is Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, right. He plays the manager, John Reed. But he's got one of those faces that is very, it's recognizable. He's got this mop of mussy hair, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he he's good. And he's he's good in this movie, but again, it's it's fairly generic as far as the story goes. It's director and co-writer Fenton Connolly. And it's mainly it works best as a character study for this character, uh, Val Barber. He has been he's a private investigator now. He has been a guard, which mm-hmm. is what they call the the cops. 
in Ireland, but he, he fall, he's kind of forced off the force. We're not quite sure why, but he's a PI now, and he works mainly in insurance fraud and cheating spouses' cases. But then he gets this grandmother with deep pockets and envelopes full of cash in his office, and he's going to take that case because uh, <laughs> she's missing, the granddaughter is missing, and even though the rest of the family doesn't really seem that concerned right now, just kind of her behavior, the granddaughter says, no, she's been kidnapped. Uh, and, and there was an opening bit about the with the uh, with the granddaughter that makes you think that she's been kidnapped and has done well. Uh, so he's on the case. And as he learns more about the granddaughter and what she was into, we learn more about him. And that basically seems to be the point here and is where the film is most effective. He's got edges to him. He's got secrets that that make him an interesting character. And Aidan Gillen is a good actor to bring those to bring those to light. But the themes that it's it's set in the near recent past, very much COVID times, everybody's worried about sanitizer and masks and things like that. So it just seems a little bit dated because the things and the themes that it hits on that it feels are very important. And they are Th- themes like Me Too and themes like powerful men misusing their power. Not that those issues aren't important. It, they just, it, it just seems a little bit dated, like we've moved be beyond that now so things that they think are really earth shattering really aren't anymore mm-hmm. so uh what it really feels like by the end is a setup for a tv series because it's just the stakes are just low enough where this should be like an episodic tv show mm-hmm. and in the end when they finally wrap it up and there's a clear invitation for future cases for this pi like, well, they should be on TV then because the guy <laughs> is interesting. He is. He's an interesting character. The case and the stakes are really not, mm-hmm. at least not for the big screen. If you can whittle them down to 30 minutes and put them on an episode of a TV, that that might work better. So uh, a little disappointing, even though an interesting character and a good performance by Aidan Gillen. Uh, this is Barber, and it is streaming now. We're going to stay with streaming for a horror mystery thriller. A thriller writer finds his story coming to horrifying life when a mysterious drifter arrives at the door of his isolated cabin. This one's called The Latent Image. He had to hold his breath before he realized that the pounding in his ears was his own heartbeat. But there was another sound, distant and gaining, decisive and calculating. As he tried to isolate the direction of the sound, it dawned on him that the place he had chosen to hide was the only place there was to hide. And so it was the only place anyone would think to look. Christy Robb reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com. Liked it. Yeah. Good, a good spooky season option, especially if you have any plans to maybe spend a little bit of uh, time watching the leaves turn in some secluded cabin. <laughs> this would be a good one to bring with you, but don't pick up any hitchhikers or uh, allow any drifters into the house. This is from director and co-writer Alexander McGregor Burrell. And uh, yeah, I mean, these types of stories, we've certainly seen them before where they mix the writer and their, the writer's inspiration and the writer's story with something that's coming to life. But when done well, yeah. like so many things, they're interesting. And you know what? It almost always does happen in a cabin in the woods. Like, yeah, each yeah. of these that I can think of, that's where it happens. Well, but you know, they got to get away to write. That's right, for and, sure. You know. Yeah. And cabins and woods are scary. <laughs> they are. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she liked it very, very much. So uh, check out Christie's full review 
uh, at madwolf.com. But that one is available for streaming now. Recommendation for the latent image. Got another drama streaming now. This is one that we've been familiar with for a while, and we're glad about it. Two brothers attempt to drive a trunk full of opioids from Florida to Alaska to cash in big in the land of gold. A split-second act of violence somewhere in the California desert derails their trip, sets them on a crash course with tragedy. It's called Anchorage. Let's get rich. Think about this, bud. You've been surrounded by free money our whole lives. It's sitting around. All you gotta do now is scoop it up and cash it in. In that little trunk of yours, we got $900,000. You're a millionaire the second we get to Anchorage, Alaska. You sure about this, bro? It's our turn. For what? Set up a trap house in an igloo? <laughs> Yeah, we first saw this one, actually, at the um, Cinema, Cinema Columbus Film Festival here yeah. in Columbus. Uh, and it won, I think it won the Audience Award. It did. And yeah. uh, and and with gr- good reason. It's very reminiscent of Easy Rider. It's um, mm-hmm. it, like an update for, you know, the opioid age. The mm-hmm. same kind of cross-country, the same kind of, you know, derelict cities, the same kind of... The longer you're with them, the more gritty and depressing everything seems. I mean, they do a, a lovely job of creating this eventually quite horrific world. Plus, it's got that it's got that sad setup where you know these characters, these losers, they know this is going to be the exactly. big score. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be it, and then we're set for life. And you just know, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's how it plays out. Yeah, it and both be performances. Yeah. yeah, both yeah. performances are just heartbreaking and wonderful. And uh, and then yeah the the sort of sea change moment you really don't see coming and it it is kind of devastating no it's a lovely film yeah and the two we should say the two lead performances are from the filmmakers a director Scott Monahan and writer Dakota Loesch uh, are the two the two leads yes and they do a great job they do yeah and we've been lucky enough we traded some some messages with them over the months since Cinema Columbus and uh, very well done and I'm glad to see it I mean it's always a treat and one of the reasons to go see uh, a film festival. Mm-hmm. But you get to see some of these gems, and then when they come out now, and they're saying, yes, Yeah, root for them there. Root for them, and you're so glad to see it getting a wider a wider audience, and hopefully we'll get uh, wider eyeballs. So uh, we've got that full review updated. It was written, I think you wrote it earlier, right? Yes. But put it back up on the uh, website at madwolf.com. But yeah, a recommendation for this drama out now on VOD called Anchorage. Well, here's the big question this week. Is there one worse than The Expendables 4? Maybe so. This is a crime (laughs) mystery thriller. A church-going woman makes a heinous deal with the devil in order to save her soul. It's called Condition of Return. Mike Stafford called. Is this about that church shooting? What makes a person do something like that? If you said in your statement that the devil made you do it, you care to elaborate? (laughs) Wouldn't be doing myself any favors. The girl is sane and fit to stand trial. You understand? I feel bad for you. Why is that? Because hell is real. That's where you think I'm headed? That's between you and God. <laughs> Did you know everybody in that church? This doesn't involve brimstone and contracts written in blood. Haven't you ever wanted or needed something desperately? Condition of return, then the tagline is, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. 
bad. Bad. Right there. The poster. You can't see it. I'm looking at it now. The poster <laughs> is terrible. So every <laughs> the trailer is pretty bad. Yes. Schlocketeer Daniel Baldwin drew the short straw this week. <laughs> and uh, although although we did have to see Expendables 4. So, but no, this is this is worse actually. It is about a mass shooting and uh, in a church. Yeah, and it's just tone deaf and Badly written and badly acted and badly executed. Um, laughable toward the end if you can sort of get past all of the kind of wrong choices that were made throughout. So, yeah, it's just bad. Yeah. Just bad. Not not good. And if you want to read Daniel's uh, full review, he actually lays out very concrete yes, reasons why. Mm-hmm. Not just, hey, it's bad. No. Uh, but check it out from Daniel the Schlocketeer. You can find that review at madwolf.com. But yeah, that one is bringing up the rear, unfortunately, this week. And it's on VOD now called Condition of Return. So speaking of, let's get an early start on Schlocktober. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. It's lobby time. Checking back in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, to get us up to date on all the news and notes and releases and postponements. And have, I, have I forgotten anything? No. I do have one postponement for okay. you. Okay. Uh, who has the power to move both heaven and hell? Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that goes be- without saying. Right. Uh, Exorcist Believer, of course, moved up a week, a few weeks back, now coming out October 6th. Well, there's the uh, Hillary Swank and Alan Richardson drama Ordinary Angels that was also set to drop on October 13th. That has now been pushed back to February 23rd to get far, far away from the Swifties. Wow, that's pretty far. (laughs) (laughs) She has it all to herself now. She does. (laughs) Moving on, uh, Guy Ritchie's war drama The Covenant is now available to stream on Amazon Prime. That's a pretty and, good one. That's I, th- I thought that yeah. was his best in a while. Yeah, I think so, too. And then uh, Meg 2, The Trench, will begin s- streaming next week on HBO Max starting on September 29th. And jumping ahead to October, Saban Films has set an October 20th theatrical release for Butcher's Crossing which is a Western starring a shaved head Nicolas Cage. Ooh. The big old bushy beard. <laughs> <laughs> then there's Boudicca, Queen of, Queen of War, which is uh, the latest opus from DTV action maven Jesse V. Johnson. That'll arrive on VOD on October 26th and stars Olga Kirilenko. Um, it's based on a true story of a Celtic warrior who helped combat the Romans in Great Britain during like turn of the century. A24 has set a November 3rd theatrical release for Sofia Coppola's Priscilla Presley biopic, Priscilla. Interesting, yeah. Getting pretty good notices. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. There is a Jesse Buckley and Riz Ahmed starring sci-fi romance called Fingernails debuting on Apple TV Plus on November 3rd. All right. Nice. Put, both of them, yeah. And some more Nicolas Cage for you. This time, um, coming courtesy of A24, there's a dark comedy fantasy flick called Dream Scenario that's arriving in theaters on November 10th that is produced by Ari Aster. Uh, Universal has said a, um, I guess there's a comedy troupe nowadays called Please Don't um, Destroy, and they have a film called The Treasure of Foggy Mountain coming out on November 17th on Peacock. And then Amazon will give a Promising Young Woman uh, director Emerald Fennell's latest film, Saltburn, a limited theatrical run beginning November 24th. Um, it'll open in New York and Los Angeles on that date. 
then kind of uh, cascade outward from that into other major areas on December 1st, followed by a streaming premiere on Prime probably sometime in early 2024. Okay, cool. And then there's a December 1st premiere on Amazon Prime for an Eddie Murphy-led holiday comedy called Candy Cane Lane. So more Eddie Murphy coming your way. <laughs> All right. Back to A24, they have set a limited theatrical release on December 8th for The Zone of Interest, which is a new film from Sexy Beast and um, Under the Skin director Jonathan Glazer. Oh, yeah. Holocaust drama. Holocaust drama centered around Auschwitz, Rudolf Hess, and his family. So probably not um, feel good holiday fare. No, but that's heavy. Worth seeing. <laughs> And then lastly, uh, Netflix has set a December 20th premiere for Bradley Cooper's Maestro, which is his biopic of famed composer Leonard Bernstein. That will also be getting some sort of limited theatrical release on November 22nd. Yeah, looking forward to that as well. Good stuff coming. Yeah, lots of. All right, we can always keep up on the news and notes. Uh, Follow Daniel on the socials at the Schlocketeer. So we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me again. We're looking ahead to next week. Couple of big ones. The creator getting some big early buzz. Mm -hmm. Saw X. It might not be a good movie, but they have done a nice job of promoting it. Yeah. Okay. So that's something in the in the check yes column. Mm -hmm. We shall see. Also, something called the Kill Room. Nightmare. Headcount. The Plus One. Nobody wants to be the Plus One. No. Uh, We'll find out how it works out. Also, Fair Play. The Reeducation of Molly Singer. Gangnam Zombies. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wonder if they dance. Remember, remember that song? How long ago was that? <laughs> Gangnam Style. I don't know. Oh, my I... Lord. Well, now it's Gangnam Zombies. Also, uh, Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. And Saturn Bowling. Saturn Bowling. Okay. So next week, it'll be still two weeks out from Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Good weekend. getting. Weekend. So, yeah. Swift we still got time. Yeah. <laughs> we avoided Exer Swift, which I was really hoping would happen. Oh, but my God. That would be such a great So week. great. No. All right. Well, maybe next time. Okay, so those are next week. But this week, what do you think? Dumb Money, Expendables 4, are, are you all in for Expendables? Are you all in for that uh, other bad one? Uh, <laughs> you just want to torture yourself? We just love talking about all of them. So keep in touch. It's easy, as always, on Twitter. That is at Mad Wolf on Facebook and Instagram and threads. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website with all the written reviews and more fun stuff, including our horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club, all there at madwolf.com. So enjoy the films. Welcome to fall. Keep in touch. We'll talk next week. And until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.